This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. Forget about four wheels for the moment. This special edition of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Fox Sports is all about two wheels. What a year we're having in MotoGP. Four races in, but I tell you what, there's been a season's worth of drama already. This weekend is the second leg of the doubleheader in Austria. And our Aussie Jack Miller is one of the favourites, surely, to win after being on the podium last weekend there at the Red Bull Ring. And he joins me now from the track. Well, Jack, first of all, congratulations on the podium. You're seventh in the Premier class. What did this one mean to you? Tell us about it. Um, I think it's the first time I've been, let's say, a little bit disappointed um, with third place. You know, I had... uh, I had second pretty much wrapped up and uh, yeah, just made a little mistake in the last corner and gave it away. So, uh, you know, thankfully we got another another go around this weekend. I think um, it'll be even more uh, or a little more difficult this weekend. Everyone's, you know, up to speed. Everyone knows how the track's working. So um, I think uh, we've got our work cut out for us, but, um, you know, we I think it should be pretty good. So you say you've got your work cut out for you what was it from last week that you can improve i guess to get onto the top step this time around um uh general i think the the front tide never helped us too much in the uh second you know restart um so uh, i think one of the main focuses for this weekend is to try and use the uh the hard tire uh at some point through the weekend just to understand how that's working uh if it's a usable tire for the race or not um, another one I want to really check is uh, the rear tire as well, just to see um, how the medium goes over, you know, put a few hot laps in on the medium and, and just see how the drop is, where the drop, where the drop is and, and, and how severe it is because um, just watching the race back and stuff like that, uh, seeing that the KDM boys had a, had a bit of go on it, but um, you know, that's all well and good, but we just got to see how the drop is, you know, and how severe it is uh, in, in terms of the, that compared to the, the, the soft. Jack, we know you're off to the factory team there, Ducati, next year. Andre De Vizioso, of course, dropped the bombshell last weekend that he won't be there as your teammate. What did you make of that? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I knew they'd been uh, struggling to sort of pull a deal together. Um, and then, yeah, just... For him to, to come out and say that was like, oh. But, um, you know, I wish him all the best. Uh, who knows? I mean, um, hopefully we can, you know, he says he's adamant, but uh, stranger things have happened. So hopefully, uh, you know, if he does do well in the next few races or whatever, we might see a turnaround. If not, I wish him all the best. And um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, we're just... Uh, focus on our own job at the minute uh not even really thinking of the uh the 2021 season just yet just trying to get through this one alive can you explain to the people that are listening to this how how it works will you be consulted or have any say at all in who the teammate is no 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 not at all i don't think um it's not up to me uh it's never really up to the rider at all um it's more more of a management decision so uh Whoever they're, they're feeling of um, putting in, then we'll have to go with that. But um, but no, I mean uh, either way. Like I said, I'm fo- you know focus on what I need to do. Um, who I have in the box next to me is is no real stress. I'm not too too worried. You know, I don't think it make or, makes or breaks a, a team. Um, but uh, for sure, if you can have somebody in there, you can get along with, have a bit of banter and whatnot. It, it helps. But uh, 
you know, we'll have to just wait and see what the, the Ducati management guys come up with. So out of Jorge Lorenzo, Pecco Bagnaia, Joanne Zarco, just some random names I'll throw at you. Which of those do you get along with best and have some banter with? Probably Pecco. <laughs> Would it help? Would you like to have that familiarity with with who's there? Yeah, I mean, it'll help. But I mean, um, ah, either way, I think uh, we can, we'll get by. Um, you know, I'm not, you don't rely on your teammate to sort of help motivate you or anything like that. I think you've, Got, an, got enough on yourself that, uh, you know, you're not really too concerned on, on who's next year in the box. I mean, it makes it nice when you've got somebody who's nice and quick and, and we can do a good job together and try and get up there in the, in the team standing as well. Mate, I've got to ask you about one of the biggest moments in MotoGP in years, that crash between Franco Morbidelli and Joanne Zarco. That made headlines around the world. It was on every news service back here in Oz. Now, you obviously, you were ahead of the action, but what did you think when you got back to the pits and saw that vision for the first time? You can have absolutely amazing races and whatnot. You can't get uh, <laughs> a look in on national TV and then, uh, you know, the, uh, people nearly kill each other and uh, they, it's straight to the headlines. So, uh, no, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy crash. Uh, I didn't see it. Um, fortunately enough, I was up, up the road just a little bit and was able to avoid it all. But... Um, you know, I came around uh, the second last corner and Dovi sort of sat up and I hadn't seen any red flags or had the, the red flag, uh, let's say, notification pop up on the dashboard or anything. And Dovi sort of sat up and put his hand up and I thought, well, he might be having a mechanical, but he didn't roll off the side of the track or anything like that. I thought, this is weird. But then uh, as I rolled on the front straight, I saw that uh, that, he's, that that they had the red flags out and then uh, you can sort of look up to where uh, turn three is, and I could just see uh, bits of bike everywhere. It was like a uh, like an aeroplane crash, you know, just bits of bike scattered over hundreds of meters. So, um, no, fortunately enough, all the boys walked away from it relatively unscathed. Um, it, 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 you know, that just puts it all back into perspective. I think um, a couple of the boys might need to have a look at themselves and say, hey, we might need to calm it down just a little bit, especially for here, you know, where the high speed, the average speed's so high. It, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's unfortunate at a corner like that where where the bikes went off the track, it, it's dead, you know, straight down the line to where, where the next corner goes. So uh, I was watching a replay already. I think somebody put it up of, I think, like 2002 in Formula One where somebody went off there and absolutely smoked... Uh, one of the other cars coming out of, out of turn four, ah, three, so. So, can you explain the incident and how it happened from what you've seen? I mean, you understand the rules and the regulations and what riders are told at their briefings. In that incident, is someone at fault a bit of both? How do you look at it? I think a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, Zarko went up the inside. I think he made the pass uh, rather well. Uh, he was tight there, so he's always going to drift to the... Um, to the outside, you can't turn. I mean, you're doing 315k an hour. You can't turn like you want to. Um, so he's always going to drift sort of to the inside of the corner. And uh, it seemed like Morbidelli was trying to, let's say, pass him back in the braking zone. And uh, I guess wasn't expecting him to go that wide. And then they just sort of, as Zarko sat up, he's already passed him. So I thought, you know, I guess he thinks he's pretty much clear and Morbidelli's going to keep going that way. Whereas Morbidelli sort of stayed half wheeling him. 
stayed on the outside and then Mazzarco sat up. Morbidelli's obviously up trying to set up for a pass. And it's just not being able to get on the on the brakes in time because it happened pretty much as soon as the brakes got put on. It was a, a, a rear-end touch. So this weekend, in terms of safety, do you feel okay heading back out there this weekend at that point of the track? Is there anything we can do to make yeah. it better? No, no. Not unless they put a chicane halfway down it. I mean, uh, that's it. But uh, no, I don't think there's much they can do. The... Um, the track itself is relatively safe if we turn off, talk about um, runoff areas and stuff like that. But we've all said it all along, you know, they're not only that, like I'd never really thought about the crash going that way. Um, when you break in there, you break with a lot of left, uh, left lean angle and you're sort of turning back towards the wall runs parallel with the track. So the thing, it's a little bit off, but it runs parallel with the track. And you're sort of coming through, you drift out and come back. And the biggest thing is when you're breaking like that, you sometimes can get like a lock, uh, especially on qualifying laps and stuff like that. And if you do get a lock and you release, you're going into the wall. So that's the biggest thing that scares me probably the most. We got them to move the wall a little bit two years ago, I think, um, through the safety commission, but uh, it's still not far enough away from, for most of our likings. So do you suspect there'll be a message given to the riders at the briefing or, or is there a bit of an understanding between you all now? Have you spoken to each other about how to approach it to make sure it doesn't happen again? I think there has been. Um, you know, I, I only speaking from, from my point of view and from when I came into the championship, you know, in MotoGP on these, uh, you know, ridiculously fast motorcycles that are, are big, are heavy, well, you know, you've got more weight the winglets, everything like that. So nothing is as fast, you know, your reactions, nothing, you, if something does happen, your, your ability to get out of it uh, or get away from it is, is, is limited. Um, and I remember like when I came into MotoGP from Moto3, uh, you know, getting sat down after the first couple of races because I'd had contact and, and, and stuff like that in the first couple of races. And then they basically said to me, you know, you've got to have this respect in this, like a, a respect for your competitors and um of your fellow competitors because you know we're all out there we're all trying to do the best but these machines are dangerous so you've got to respect them a little bit and especially when you're young or whatever it's it's, it's kind of strange to hear that but uh the older i get the more you understand it you know there's there needs to be a an element of uh respect there um towards the other guys and you know the racing's unreal at the moment but there is a little bit where the boys maybe just have, some of the boys especially, just have to tone it down just a little bit when it comes to uh, the fights and stuff like that because especially in the first laps and stuff like that, if you're sort of 15th around that sort of area, it's nuts back there. I was unfortunate enough to be back there in Checo and uh, you see some of the stuff that's going on and like, I mean, um, Laquina, uh two weeks ago in, in, in Checo, I watched it firsthand. I watched him you know, being a rookie, you're hungry and everything like that, but I watched him try and pass me or look at it and I was going, don't do it, don't do it, not yet. You're not, like, the bike's not ready, you can see. And, like, the other thing they forget is how slippery the track is on the, on the which is something you understand as you get, get you know, more races under your belt. After the Moto2 races, the track's so slippery. And I just watched him 
he looked, he looked for about four corners in a row. And then he finally went for a big lunge in the second last corner. And, and you know, as soon as he started putting me in there, he got front, started bouncing and he tucked the front and took me out. And I was like, dude, I could see that coming from, you know, when you're behind, you it's always easy to sit there and say, you know, you can see it coming, but it's just, I think some of the boys just need to, uh, you know, a lot of it's a learning thing. But for example, Zarko and Morbidelli both have been in the championship for quite some time now, and they should probably understand that a little bit more. So I don't think one, not, neither riders, one hundred percent at fault themselves. I think it's a mutual sort of a thing. Is any of it to do with the fact that Marquez isn't there? How intense it is at the moment. I know Mick Dewan said to us a couple of weeks ago that he could see this situation coming where everyone's so desperate to get points while. Marquez is a way that it could force some people into errors? I think so. I think so. You know, um, it's sort of the first time any of us have, you know, uh, had a chance, let's say. Um, you know, I know it sounds bad to say it like that, but, uh, you know, we finally found a chink in Mark's armour and I think everyone's just going half a leather trying to, like you say, make up the points. But I think that can be one of the biggest things. But, uh, you know, also, with the way mechanicals have gone, you know, a lot of guys have had mechanicals already with the string temperatures we had in Jerez and stuff like that. So, I mean, what are we, four races in now? And uh, we've already had, uh, coming up to the fifth, and nearly the whole whole grid, apart from a couple of blokes, have had uh, had a DNF, so had a non-score. So, I mean, it's, the championship's so tight uh, up until this point. So, uh, I think for the fans at home, it's unreal. Mm. Sure is. Mate, you're seventh in the championship at the moment, but only five points off off fourth. So how crucial is, is this weekend for you at a track that, that in general suits the bike? Yeah, I think five points off fourth and uh, I think, what is it? It's 31 to first and I think 21 to second. So and 12 to third. 12 to third. So, I mean, uh, we're close. We're close, especially, like I said, I've already had one, uh, one non-score in Jerez too. Which I'm, you know, I was kicking myself after that because I knew it'd be so important not to do that, and uh, and it happened. So got that one out of the way, but um, you know we've got here track I really like um, on the Mizano afterwards. Uh, should be interesting to get there with uh, with the new asphalt. I think uh, from what we understand with our GP20 is it works really really well, especially when the grip's high. So um, hopefully we'll be able to make the most out of it there and. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot more tracks that I enjoy. So uh, there's not too many left on the calendar that I don't like. So, uh, well, apart from Portimao now that I've never ridden, and I don't think, I think Crutchlow is one of the only guys on the, on the grid who's ridden it. In terms of the favourite for the title, at this point, taking yourself out of the equation, has Dovey got his mojo back now with the weight of that, which seemed to be pretty heavy on his shoulders, the contract situation gone? Is, is I he, think so. Yeah. I think so. Dovey's definitely, you know, if we're talking past experience, I think Dovey's probably going to be the, and, uh, you know, he's not normally one of the guys that make a, a mistake. Um, you know, we've seen in the past couple of weekends, been Alice, both in Checo and here, uh, struggle here for some way or another. Uh, both Fabio and him, to be honest. So in Czech Republic and here. So, um, you know, I think it's going to go on waves like that, but Dovey's uh, got the momentum rolling his way now, much as Fabio did in, in uh, Erez. So if he can try and take back some some points here, I think it'll be very important. But uh, as we know with MotoGP, anything's possible. I think um, 
and especially on these back-to-back weekends, which in Jerez is it was bad because you know everyone's got the setup, but here this track's already so close. You know, uh, by the time we get to qualifying, I mean, I think it was two and a half tenths in the Q2, two and a half tenths from first to last, or something like that. I'm not, don't quote me on that, but I think it was around that. And uh, it's just going to be even closer this weekend. I mean, it's um, it, because everyone's got the setup, everyone knows similar tyres, what they're doing. So people will be putting, you know, have their strategy pretty much planned out. Um, so it'll be interesting um, for everybody, I think. And finally, in terms of coronavirus, are you feeling safe at the moment? The numbers in Europe, in Spain in particular, seem to be on the up. Is that of a concern to you in terms of the championship? Um, I mean, it concerns me with the championship. Uh, as a concern for my myself, I mean, I'm not too too worried. Um, we we do all the appropriate measures we need to do. I don't have much contact with anyone anyway over here, so it's not too bad. Um, and I mean, like I said, we're doing testing. We're doing testing once a week, um, stuff like that. So we're, we're, our lockdown schedule here in the paddock is very good. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame to see it coming back up. But I mean, I think uh, everybody almost could all, already see that. Uh, we saw how it took off last time. And until we have a vaccine, I think this is the way it's going to be. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it, it's, I guess it's a part of life at this point in time. You know, we just have to take the appropriate measures to try and keep ourselves safe. And, uh, you know, with the lockdown shit protocol and everything we've got here in the paddock, hopefully we're able to continue racing through if it does get worse and stuff like that. And from what I've heard from people was we should be right, but we'll have to wait and see. Have you noticed any more interest or support from Australia? The ratings since COVID, since the return of racing, have been massive back here. I think a lot of it's to do with how close the, the riding is without Mark being there as well. But your finish to last year and, and being a podium chance every weekend, have you felt any difference over there in terms of the, the attention you're getting from back home? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, um, you always see, you know, the messages and stuff like that from Facebook, from from Instagram and stuff like that. And it's it's uh, that's the first I've heard that the uh, the numbers are up. But I mean, that's awesome to hear um, because you know, I think I think it's a mix of both. I think you know, everyone misses sport, and there's not that much going on in the world right now. And I mean, if you watched uh, Formula One last weekend, you'll understand why you'd much rather watch MotoGP. And then uh, the Formula One, but uh, you know, hopefully we can get Daniel once he gets in the uh, in the McLaren. I think he'll he'll be on for for a decent shot, and uh, and then we'll give the Aussies another reason to watch that. But I mean, uh, it's awesome for uh, for for the Aussies to have somebody to cheer for, because I know what it's like watching Formula One. I, I'm a big fan, and uh, watching it, you always want the Aussie to go good, and it kind of it's it's hard to watch sometimes with uh, with Daniel struggling with the car. You know, I remember, for example, in Silverstone when he got the fourth, I was like dreaming for a podium there for him, but uh, wasn't to be. But uh, I think that, and there's not much sport, much else going on in the world. So I think everyone's, you know, I I certainly noticed it through through the lockdown period when there was no sport happening in the world, how much you really miss it. You know, you can watch all the crappy TV shows you want, but nothing compares to watching a live sport. 
how you feel about Daniel is how we feel about you. Another Aussie on the weekend doing well, Remy Gardner on pole. If you've got time, uh, what did you have you spoken to him since the race? Have you seen because that, that was pretty disappointing for him, he was trying so hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, Remy's going well, uh, we all know he's got really good speed, and I think, um, and he'd had the re- really good consistency up until that point, so I think, um, you know, these things can happen, uh, especially when you're on pole and um, and you sort of start falling off a little bit or, you know, going back a little bit, you you turn, tend to override. Maybe the tyre wasn't working or whatever and you tend to override and that's when mistakes happen. So, I mean, um, Remy's a tough dude. He'll be back again this weekend, no doubt, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to put it back on the box where he belongs. We hope so too, mate. Thanks for your time as always and good luck for this weekend and the rest of you will touch base again soon. Cheers, Dubsy. No worries, mate. Thank you. Thanks also for listening to this special edition of the Loud Pedal Podcast. This weekend, all the action on Fox Sports, MotoGP, of course. We've got the supercars in Darwin. That's exclusive. And set your alarms, 3 a.m. Monday morning. It's the Indy 500 willpower. Can you do it again for Australia? We'll find out then. Cheers. (laughs) 